When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to the official podcast, TFL Talk of TFLcar.com. That's right, yes, and in this episode, we've got some very exciting stuff to talk about. We're talking about the brand new, the all-new Jeep Grand Cherokee, as well as some cool stuff happening at Volkswagen. Uh, we'll go over the news and talk about everything you need to know that happened in the automotive industry this week. Yeah, we just got to go on the full line at Volkswagen, but we won't talk about the full line. We're going to talk about the GTI, uh, the Golf R, and of course the GLI. But if you're new to this podcast, Tommy, then uh, who are we? Well, we review cars, trucks, SUVs, motorcycles, and everything in between on YouTube, but we also talk about cars and trucks and all the fun stuff on all your local and regional podcast stations. And I think we're also on TikTok and on Instagram and on Facebook and all the other social medias. So welcome to the podcast where we kind of go behind the scenes. We take a deep dive into the vehicles that we're driving. Uh, and I've got a question for you, Tommy, as well as you, the audience. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. Yep. A lot of them, you know, um, aren't just about cars. They're kind of about what's happening in the people's lives. Are you guys interested in hearing about that or do you just want to hear about cars? Well, let's do this. Because we promised them the Jeep Grand Cherokee, yeah. let's start out with that and then we will talk about other stuff related to what's going on. So We could talk about our, our, our hellacious flight to uh, uh, Asheville to drive the Volkswagens. That was pretty interesting. We'll get there in a sec, but I think that people clicked on this to hear about the new Jeep, so we uh, should talk about it. All right, so you got to go to Moab um, and uh, get behind the wheel of the 2022 Jeep Grand Cherokee, not the L. Now, let's clarify, the L is a three-row that's been out for a while. Now they're building the stubby one, the one that is the two-row uh, that comes as a Trailhawk, and you got to drive everything from the base Laredo all the way up to the Limited. Is that the most expensive Grand Cherokee? No, I think it goes uh, Summit and then Summit Reserve. Oh, that's right. You get the Summit, yes. So all the way up to the Summit Reserve. Uh, And so we're going to talk about what Jeep has done. Um, And tell me about the trip, Tommy. So you you got to Moab, and where did you guys guys go? What did you do? Well, basically, it was um, a full day of everything from towing to off-roading to on-road driving to the presentation. So we got to learn everything about the Grand Cherokee. To me, the big news would have been if they had gone all electric. I'm saying that that would have been like, you know, you could write a headline for that. But, you know, taking the same engines and then, you know, basically taking a Jeep and making it more modern with more screens is not huge news. It's what you'd expect. So there's going to be an electric hybrid version of it, right, uh, that's coming soon, but not out yet. So like the, it's going to be like the Jeep um, 
Wrangler 4xe, and that's going to have, what, about 20 miles of range? Did they talk about that? Um, they pretty much did not talk about the 4xe at all. Okay, so we won't talk about it then. I mean, it was like... They wanted a, to focus on the... It was up on a hill, and they said like three times, like, we're not going to talk about it. Oh, they had it there, but they're not going to... Yeah, but they like wouldn't talk about but it. But it's coming next year, right? Yeah, so it's going to be coming early next year. So I think it's got about 25 miles of range. It is a plug-in hybrid. Yep. It still has four-wheel drive. It should still have all the iconic um, Jeep capability. Um, so that will be coming soon, and I think we'll have a separate drive program for that. All right, so let's start with the basics on the regular Grand Cherokee. What does the start at? What are the trim levels? Uh, and which one do you like the best? Right. Um, well, the first thing you need to know yeah. is that it's better than the old one okay. in every way. Oh, that's good to know. Yes. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very much a, a more refined, more sophisticated version of the old one. So it took ten years. Right? It's a long time for a vehicle. Yeah, it's a super years. long time. Yeah, mm -hmm. Usually, you know, four years and they upgraded and redo it. So ten years. So you'd expect some pretty big changes. So how has it changed from the one that we all know and love? Well, what they did is they took one of their best-selling vehicles and they just took every aspect of it and said, let's just make it a little bit better. So um, for the most part, there's some things that aren't, aren't all that changed. But for the most part, they took the size. Um, they made it just a little bit bigger, but still maintain that, like, you know, Grand Cherokee usable size. Um, so it's a couple inches longer. Um, they, I think they took the design and they, they square jawed it a little bit more. They made it more sophisticated on the outside. Um, they, they went on the inside and they really improved every aspect of it. So they kind of described it on the old Grand Cherokee, you had like these little islands of design. So you had like the center cluster with the screen and, and the, those buttons. That was one island. You had the gauge cluster, which was its own separate island. You had the vents, which are their own separate islands. On the new ones, it's one cohesive design. Uh, they gave it standard um, emergency safety suite stuff. Standard emergency braking, standard blind spot monitoring, um, standard, standard uh, lane keep assist, that kind of thing. Um, and then they took the off-road capability and they, they improved it on top of that too. So they, they took the Trailhawk and they, uh, they gave it um, a sway bar disconnect. It's got more suspension travel. It's got more suspension articulation. Does it still have air suspension? It still has air suspension, yep, but it's much improved over the old generation. It still is a closed loop system, so it's uh, very expensive to engineer and design. The one area where I think they probably... You should explain closed loop in case people are... Well, what it means is it's not um, scavenging air from the um, outside environment. So there's kind of like a collection canister where it's got the same air within the system all the time. And it's moving air between a collection canister and the bags. Which uh, means, too, in this new generation that they're able to um, increase uh, the speed of the system. So it's much more usable going up and down. Uh, the other cool thing about the new Grand Cherokee um, is that it still has a lot of towing capability. So How much? I think it was, um, I don't want to miss. 6,500? I think it was yeah, 7 on the seven? V8. So there's a V6 and a V8. Yeah, so the power plants are carryovers, right? There's the Pentastar V6, and then, of course, there's the Hemi V8. Right, and that is the one area where they didn't really improve it. Which is actually, you know, the, the, I think it, when when people... Uh, commented on your video that you already put out. If you want to see what it looks like, uh, Tommy actually went through the different uh, model lineup showing you the least of the most expensive. It's over at TFL Car. Uh, and the comments on that video I was reading, Tommy, were half the people thought, you know, they were like, oh, it's more Stellantis junk. And the other half the people were like, oh, really great that they've upgraded it and love it. Uh, and it's funny, the, the, the Grand Cherokee, to my mind, is one of kind of the most honest vehicles out there right I, I, it it's never been it's never had like dependability issues and i think fca which used to be the old name of the company before they changed it to stellantis got brushed with this broad stroke of unreliability uh, and yet people 
I think, fail to recognize that right now, for instance, Ram is one of the most reliable uh, brands out there. Uh, and we've had, uh, well, we've had, zero, we've had a TRX now for almost a year, and we've had exactly zero issues with it. Nothing. No recalls. No, no nothing. Uh, and the same can be true for your uh, Wrangler, for our previous Wrangler. Uh, and so I think it's unfair to paint uh, the brush of unreliability across Jeep uh, just because you think that the, the Dodge that you had, you know, blew up on you or had to be recalled. Um, so um, you, you got to go and you got to, uh, to, you know, get your hands on both the base model all the way up to the, so the Summit Reserve. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? How, how much of a spread is there in, like, uh, money and stuff? Well, a very large spread. So starts at just um, right around $40,000 uh, for the Laredo. Uh, and you can get that in both two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive. And then from there, you've got, like, the, the, the primary trim block is Laredo Limited and then Overland. Um, and then I believe Trailhawk. Um, that may be switched, Overland and Trailhawk. And then Summit and then Summit Reserve. And price-wise, you can get it. <laughs> the, the drive vehicles they spec us, the cheapest one was about 44000 for Laredo. And the most expensive was into the mid-$70,000 range which is, I mean, pretty eye-watering. So it's, it is a very expensive vehicle. And the one to get, in my opinion, is, is either the Laredo, the base model, um, or the Trailhawk, the offered model. Because even the base model is so much more refined than the old one, and it feels like such a more premium vehicle that there's no reason to spend big money on the Summit or the Summit But, but should a Jeep be a premium vehicle? Well, I mean, that's the direction they've gone to. Right. I mean, um, I, mean I, I get why Land Rover uh, and Range Rover are premium vehicles, and I get why a Lexus is, but should a Jeep, to me, a Jeep is always about honest, uh, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like you get what you pay for, right? It's just, it's just honest transportation, uh, and uh, should a Jeep be up there competing in the rarefied world of the Jeep, Mercedes GL, you know, or the Land Rover, or the Lexus, or the Infiniti, or even the new Genesis, I, I kind of feel like I, I see where the market has gone. People, you know, want their luxury, but I, I think the, the brand value of Jeep has not been luxury. It's been um, it's been off-roadiness and it's been capability. Well, that's why you get a base model like a Laredo. Hmm. Um, and then, I mean, it, the, the nice thing is, is I think they're really pushing their... Their, their, their quality of materials and the quality of the interior. So even if you get like that $44,000 radial, you're not going to get the massaging seats or the giant sunroof. But the overall interior design feels very premium. The um, the screen cluster, the, the standard digital display feels really but, good. But, but you have to admit there's something really like wacky about having, and that's not just Jeep, it's any like premium vehicle and then having it in dirt and mud and sand and crud, right? Sure. But the two the two seem to seem to be at odds with each other. So do you do you feel that the old one is is more rugged than the new one? I felt it was honest. I wouldn't say rugged. I just felt it was I know there was also an upper trim version of it, but I felt like it was you know, the great thing about a Wrangler is you can just hose it off. And and that's what I like about I think I think that brand value is one that will suit a grand Cherokee better than taking on the upper trim luxuries of a Grand Wagoneer and putting it into it. I, I, I don't, I'm not sure that the people out there who are looking for luxury, are, I, I mean, they do, I, I could be wrong, they do certainly a lot more market research than I do, uh, but if I were looking for a luxurious um, family hauler, I could see buying uh, a Grand Wagoneer or a Wagoneer, but the Grand Cherokee would not come to mind. Well, so let me ask you a question. So you're looking at this um, Grand Cherokee Trailhawk, right? Right. Do you know the sticker on that car? 
The current one, I believe, is like $50,000. But the one you were looking at was like $57,000, wasn't it? Uh, we're trying to buy – so here's the plan, guys, just a little bit behind the scenes here. Um, we're trying to buy a current Grand Cherokee uh, that then will trade up for a 4 by e Grand Cherokee. And the reason we're doing that is there's a tax advantage with the year end coming around, so we want to take advantage of that. Uh, and that is a nice thing about the Grand Cherokee. It's over 6,000 pounds, so it lets you get that Grand grand tax advantage uh, and then uh, you know have it and then do a comparison with it to the new one so we could do an old versus new uh, and so I think the one I was looking at was was it 57 I forget uh, if it was 57 I think it was, it was certainly we start oh, with the five fifth, let me see MSRP 52 yeah 52 okay so the ones that they're like the trailhawk we drove was like 50 59 I want to say okay so it has gotten more expensive for sure um, but it's um, I mean and, and the amount of more expensive now is becoming breathtaking especially when you realize what's this, this is one thing that I certainly will hammer down uh, is their uh, their delivery fees what's the right the destination is kind of bogus it's like $1,700 worth of destination uh, charge Jeepers and Stellantis is really pushing those fees uh, and I I'm a firm believer that that is you know the cost of doing business and somehow by, by breaking that out you're not doing any favors that should just be part of the MSRP right because it, it, when you go to buy the thing you're like oh okay cost 53 and then now there's two thousand dollars on top because a Grand Cherokee I want to say is two thousand destination I don't want to I don't want to you look it up the, I don't the Grand Cherokee uh, the Grand Wagoneer sorry I want to say the Grand Wagoneer might be 1950 it, it's eye-watering uh, and it's just it's, it's it feels like a way you know what it feels like Tommy and that's not just Jeep. It's any manufacturer yeah, that does about, it. About two thousand. Is it? Yeah, two thousand. So it, it kind of, it's kind of like a low cost airline. You're like, oh gosh, my ticket is only you know 150 bucks, and then you get to the airport, and they're like, you want us to print that out? That's going to cost you another 50 bucks. You want to put some luggage on the plane? Well, that's going to cost you another 50 bucks. Uh, you want to sit with something where you could put your knees out of your nose? That's going to be another 50 bucks, and your 150 dollar ticket is now turned into a $300 ticket and I kind of feel that's the same way with destination you walk in there and you're like oh it's 53,000 and then you're like no it's 55 yeah I agree I think that destination charge across the board is silly I don't know why it exists I really don't um, it, it should, should just, just be part of the MSRP yeah be baked into the MSRP and now with this inflation we're seeing right it used to be that models would the game the, I shouldn't say the game the the model used to be um, that um, with the new generation of vehicles the base vehicle would cost about the same as the outgoing vehicle, right? So if you were uh, looking at base to base, it would be about the same with the new generation. And then what would end up happening is the higher in the trim level you went, the more the difference in pricing between the old and the new. So by the time you got to like the Summit Reserve, that number was huge. But now with this kind of inflation we're seeing, we're seeing you know staggering numbers in the thousands of uh, dollars when it comes to the difference between the old and the new in terms of MSRP. Yeah, but there's some exceptions, like the Ford Maverick, right? Under 20 grand. I mean, hell well, of a deal. Hell of a deal it in does, a vehicle. It's, non, it's unobtainium. It doesn't exist. And dealers are marking them up three to five to $7,000. So uh, maybe that's why, and maybe that's, that's the answer why MSRPs are coming up so much. Because if a dealer says, hey, here's a Maverick that, that first of all, I've never seen in 19 thousand dollar maverick in any dealership period never okay. seen one i don't think it exists okay i don't think it exists i have seen them for as little as twenty three thousand, but then they quickly become twenty seven thousand after the dealer adds either equipment or a market adjustment hmm. um so which is still a hell of a deal 
I haven't even gotten behind the wheel of one. So Mid I don't twenty thousand for a pickup truck. I, I have no, Oof. I have, I have no clue. I sat at one at the Chicago Auto Show, but actually, until I actually drive it uh, and get behind the wheel, I, I'll tell you if that's, yeah, if that's a good number or a bad number. I, we're trying to, by the way, put together both, and I think we can do this, both the Maverick and the Santa Cruz for a direct comparison. Nice. Uh, I think Edmonds already did it, which bummed me out because we always try to be first with that. But congratulations. Steve did it too. Steve did it. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. So we, we're kind of late to the game, but I, I do want to do a head-to-head comparison between those two and see, see you know what what you're getting. Certainly, in general, the Maverick is less expensive than the um, Santa Cruz. So it seems like the general consensus is you're not very hot on the new Grand Cherokee. No, you don't seem very excited about it. No, no, no. I'm I'm just look. I'm playing devil's advocate here. I I I have no horse in the race. I haven't been behind it. I haven't driven it. Uh, I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm just out loud curious whether Jeep is a luxury brand because that's where they seem, that's where they seem to be positioning themselves. And you, 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 you get this kind of, I call it the Hyundai Genesis issue, right? Where uh, you, when people go into a Jeep dealership to buy a Renegade for twenty-five thousand, right? It's hard for that dealership then to offer the same amount of experience, which is what people are actually looking for, for a $95,000 vehicle, right? That's that's the problem. You, and I agree. Right? I think for the Grand Wagoneer, for sure. I yeah, mean, that's, that, that's but, why but, stretching that much is hard. But for a $43,000 Grand Cherokee? Yeah, it's fine. I don't know. It seems fine. No. So no, I'm, 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 I'm kind of on the... But you said it goes up to 70 some thousand. Yeah, it, it, it does get very expensive, but I wouldn't buy a $73,000 one. I think if you're buying a $73,000 Grand Cherokee, you might as well go buy an X5 or a... GLE Mercedes. I, I think that's why, and when I say Genesis slash Hyundai, I think that's why, you know, for a long time, you go to a Hyundai dealership, and then if you wanted the luxury vehicle, the Genesis, it was kind of a, a, a model. But eventually what Hyundai had to do was break off Genesis and create its own, you know, standalone brand so that people got the experience for buying a Genesis versus the same experience as getting an Elantra. Right. I think, and that's going to really hurt the Grand Wagoneer. I think that they need to maybe market it as something else and not sell it alongside. So I, I hope I don't mean to be coming across as grumpy. I love the brand. I just, uh, I just, I'm just kind of confused by you know all this, all this kind of top of the market stuff right now, and it's happening not just at Jeep. It's happening everywhere. Um, well, right, I think there'd be a you know I think Volkswagen would do really well if they brought in Skoda because we seem to have completely lost the kind of the basic entry-level vehicles. And part of it is because of technology has gotten so much more complicated. So now, of course, you have all the safety tech, which is expensive, right? Uh, you've got electrification, but but there is no like cool, fun, affordable vehicle anymore, at least not in the current market. Well, and I think that's the Maverick. I really do. I mean, you know, we're talking about low $20,000 hybrid pickup truck. You know, like that's a pretty big deal. And I think Ford is really. I, would, I, I, I wish I could agree with you. I would love that. I wish. Is, I wish I could go to a Ford dealership today. Look, look, I live in the real world, not in the make-believe pricing world. So if I could go to a Ford dealership today and not have to fly across the country and you know go on Auto Trader and find the one that's not selling an above market sticker, right? If I could walk into a local dealership and walk out of there with a twenty thousand dollar. Ford Maverick, I'd be like, hell yeah, that is the that is the vehicle. But just because it exists on paper doesn't mean it exists in real life. It's a good start, but you know, if you if it doesn't exist in the real world, then to me it's not. But that's it's, every it's vehicle not, right now. I mean you can't get any vehicle. 
You're, you, uh, you'd be flying across the country if you wanted uh, Santa Cruz, too. I mean, they're just not out there. It's just with the ship shortage, it's just hard to get any kind of vehicle. Even if it's an S-Class, it's hard to get. So I don't think you can hold that Actually, against Actually, S-Classes are probably gettable. I don't because because they're, they're, the manufacturers are allocating their resources to the more expensive ones where they make more money on them. I don't, I don't know. I just don't know. Um, but I, I think that um, I think that uh, manufacturers um, like Ford should be applauded for going in for more affordable vehicles. Once again, yeah, I, I agree. Ford, congratulations. Sell me one at nineteen thousand, and I will I will 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 dedicate an entire podcast to it. Yep. I mean, maybe not right now because of the chip shortage, but I think that you're going <laughs> to see a lot of. It doesn't matter. It's it's, it's just it's just paper. It's just on paper, right? If it's not real. That's my point. I'm 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 always been a, a realist. If it you know, but that's uh, any car. Go try. Let me let me give you an example of what's happening right now in the automotive world, which I think is incredibly damaging and incredibly deceptive. And this is why I'm such a um, cynic and skeptic at this moment in time. So you know, last week the big story was that um, Hertz put in an order and had a signed contract for a hundred thousand Model Threes. Right, they announced this. They said we have we have gone into an agreement with Tesla to purchase a hundred thousand Model Threes, and and two things happened when that happened. Hertz's value, which they're coming out of bankruptcy, went through the roof, and Tesla's value went over a trillion dollars. Right, right? a trillion dollars, Tommy, on on the basis of that announcement. Now, the reality of that situation was, and we found that out only a week later when, when Mr. Musk decided to tweet that there was no contract, that Tesla is production constrained, that that was all BS. There was no contract. There was no, I mean, you know, unless Hertz would have gone and actually bought 100,000 Model 3s on Tesla's website, there was no agreement to, to buy Teslas with Tesla. And there are two things incredibly dishonest about that. First, you know, Hertz did not did not say that there was no contract in place. And secondly, instead of Mr. Musk coming out and saying, you know what, this is not true right away, he waited a week, right, in which time, you know, his billions turned into tens of billions, in which time, you know, the value of Tesla went through the roof. And it was only a week later that he actually came out and tweeted, not even like a press, that this is not true. Then Tesla's stock fell 5%, but the gain had already come. So that's why I'm saying there's a lot of shenanigans going out there. And as a good journalist, I think, my job here at TFL is to look through those shenanigans and to take a clear-eyed look at really what's happening. Just because a company says they're buying cars doesn't mean that it's true, and which was certainly the case with Hertz. Okay. Do you understand that? You, you, you see how much money both those companies made on, on, on both very, I would call, in my opinion, dishonest uh, no, I agree. announcements. But why, how, what does this have to do with my little maverick? Well, because it's the same issue, right? Yes, Ford has said that there is one for you know nineteen thousand. But if I can't go out and buy it, then, then you could say whatever you want. You could say, "Well, hey, here's one for fifteen thousand. But if you can't actually go out and buy the thing, it doesn't exist. But you have to keep in mind that because of the way the structure works, right? right? It's the model. I mean, it's the it's the dealer model. The, the Ford has no control over what the dealers charge for the cars. It's manufacturer's suggested retail price. And they can claim so, that they so, have control so, so, over. So at this point, why even have a? I, I I said this last time. People looked at me like I was crazy. Why even do an MSRP? Well, why? because you need to have a. You need to why have the checks it? and balances in place to have. But the, it's meaningless. If 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 Ford can't control what dealers are charging for them, why even have it? 
then all you're doing, what you're doing, shouldn't is, the question be why had the dealer? That feels like a better question. Well, you should I'm be saying what, what you're doing is you're just you're just creating frustration and pain for no particular reason. Here's a, here, I was listening to, you know, Nicole Wakelin, who's a friend of ours, and uh, Roberto Robbie, who's a friend of ours. They have a podcast called. Um, uh, wheel bearings, right? And I was listening to the podcast, and they, they were talking about how hard it is to buy a car right now, and they came up with a strategy on how you go about buying a car. And one of the things they said was, if you're going to go buy, if you're going to go buy a car, uh, you need to, you know, like spend the whole day doing it, right? You need to devote the whole day, and then you need to be willing to walk out of the dealership, right? Sure. And all these like typical things that people have said for the last fifty years, and it's not wrong; it's completely right. And I'm thinking to myself, so you're basically going into battle. You have to spend your whole day hoping to get the car that you want in the car that you want. Or you can go on Tesla's website at 2 in the morning and order the car with no zero no, I agree. stress. Which of those two models is going to succeed over the next 10 years? The second one. Yeah, exactly. But that's that's the dealer issue. I right. mean, that's, that's, like that's what I'm saying. Dealers. That's what I'm saying. Which of those two models is going to succeed? I'm buying a car at 2 in the morning. You know, and I'm buying. I'm paying for what I see written, or I'm going to spend the whole day going to going going into war with the dealer. You know, and then God help you if you have to go in that finance office. You know, all that stuff there, right? Sure. And yeah, then it's I, a mess. I, I agree. I'm and, not and arguing I, against dealers. Or I'm not for saying dealers. that <coughs> Tesla is, is you know the the answer to everything because Tesla, get this, Tommy, has raised the price of the Model Three this year by eight thousand dollars. Right, which is pretty seedy. I'm just, it's not CD, it's just what they've done. Well, I mean, you can't say that other manufacturers are raising prices and Tesla's the gold standard and then Tesla goes and raises prices. I agree. Yeah. So, but but at least, you know, I think people are, it's, it's kind of stretchable. People are willing to pay more to not have to go and, and you know, go into battle to buy a car. Are they willing to pay $8,000 more? I don't know. At some point, that price isn't that elastic. All right. Well, let's talk about Volkswagen now that we uh, have gone deep into the, the dreads. Um, so Volkswagen just uh, flew us out and allowed us to have a spin in a few of their models, including the new Volkswagen Golf R. And tell, tell them the story about how we managed to get into American Airline help. Yeah, we flew American Airlines for the first time, and it was that weekend where they canceled all those flights. So mm. it was quite tricky getting down there. We showed up at 10 um, for our flight. And, and the plane was there. It shows up. And we're like, hey, we're going to make our connection. The plane was there. And then immediately. By uh, the way, we're flying. Just so I, I don't want to interrupt, but I, I should tell you, we're flying from Denver to Charlotte to Asheville. And the reason we chose American is because it's the closest, easiest flight to get to Asheville from Denver. It's not an easy place to get to. Yep. And then we get there at 10 and the plane is there. And then they come on the PA right as we're about to board and say, actually, it's going to be delayed till about 11.23, um, so then we go and sit down and hang out, and then we get a text saying it's actually going to be 12.30, so then we go and get some lunch, um, and then at 11.05 or something, they send a text and be like, all right, your plane is boarding, it leaves in five minutes. Doors are about to close. Yeah, so everyone goes sprinting across the airport. <laughs> we're like, what happened to the text? Like, hey, time to board. They just went right to doors are closing in two minutes, and we're, it's hilarious. We're running toward the uh, gate, and everybody else is running toward the gate. I don't know what happened there. Yeah, pretty wild. Definitely pretty different. So well, we, did, it was, we did miss our connecting flight and I ended up taking us something like 12 or 14 hours ago from Denver to Asheville. And then I called your mom and she said, you could have flown to Hawaii in less time. And that really bummed me out. But we did make it, unlike some of our other colleagues, which was good. So glad we made it. And then we got to drive the new Volkswagen Golf R and the new Volkswagen Golf GTI and the updated Jetta GLI as well. So we had some wheel time behind all of those. And they did a really good job with the Golfs. I think that was a really interesting car. So this is the Mark 8 generation of Golf. And in America, we are only getting the GTI and the R. In other parts of the world, you can get the standard one. 
So... All right, so, you know, I've done too much talking, so how about this? How about I go through the model line and you kind of give them your synopsis of what you thought of each of them? How about that? Sure. Let's leave the GTI for last because I think that's the most interesting. So let's start with the GLI. Explain what it is and what you thought of it. It is the sedan um, Volkswagen. It's the Jetta. The GLI is the performance model. So it's powered by a turbocharged four-cylinder. It's available um, with both the manual and the seven-speed DSG automatic. And I thought it was excellent. Now, it does not have the new infotainment system like the Golf. It's still running the old system. And that is a good thing. I think we're in agreement that it's uh, it's a better system than the new system because it uses hard buttons. But it is an excellent vehicle. Super fun to drive. Um, th this latest generation of GLI really isn't all that much more compromised than the GTI. And if you're looking for a sporty sedan that's front-wheel drive, definitely consider the Jetta. Yeah, being one of, you know, the older of the two people in this room, <laughs> I, I really like the GLI because it has the older infotainment system. So you've got a mix of virtual and real buttons. Uh, and I like that a lot because, like, today we were just driving the S-Class uh, to breakfast. And, we, you know, it had those uh, uh, seats where the lumbar, not the lumbar, the side bolsters adjust. When you make a turn, like, the, if you're going left, the left one pushes your side. And if you're going right, the right one pushes your side in. Uh, and if you like that, great. If you don't, it's kind of annoying. And I tried to turn that off. And actually, I knew where to find the setting for that. But the second, like, we made a turn... The screen went from the comfort mode in the Mercedes to the navigation mode, so it overlaid the traffic camera on top of it. Uh, and, th and it dawned on me that the reason I like real buttons is that they don't change. For sure, they're fantastic. Yep. And from a driving standpoint, that it's slightly detuned compared to the new GTI, the, the 2-liter turbo, but incredibly responsive, plenty quick. It's got a good exhaust note. It's got a new exhaust system in the rear. Um, it's got some updated front and rear fascia stuff for the, uh, the, the newest model year. Honeycomb, but, that seems to be the design language. Honeycomb, it's a new thing. But the GLI is an excellent sedan and super fun to drive. Yeah, and they got, uh, they got a little bit more expensive. It used to be kind of like the performance, for those in the know, right, who are in the Volkswagen family, it was a one to get if you didn't want to uh, spend all the money on a GTI or Golf R, but you still wanted the same power plant. But what they did is they got rid of the cheap, cheap affordable model. So there was like a base model, I think it was like a GLIS, and they got rid of that because nobody was buying it apparently. So now you can only get the uh, well-equipped Jetta GLIs. Yeah, or once again, it's a chip thing, right? You're going to put your chips into the one that makes you more money. All right, so should we move on to the Golf? No, that's last. Remember I said we'll leave that for last. So how about the Golf? Oh, yeah, the Golf R, not the GTI. Yeah, the Golf R is the all-wheel drive Golf. It's the performance model with the four-cylinder EA888 engine. In this newest generation, it makes over 300 horsepower. And here in the U.S., um, we are one of only two markets that are getting the optional manual transmission. So only the U.S. and Canada are getting the manual transmission. Which is, thank you, Volkswagen. That's so great. Slightly detuned on torque compared to the automatic because it's the old manual out of the old Golf R and apparently it can't quite handle all the torque that the new DSG can. But still, was a, a very fun vehicle. I'm not quite as excited about the new Golf R because I think at one point it was an incredibly quick, um, almost budget supercar in a lot of ways that was able to outperform a lot of much more expensive competition in a straight line. But now that we have electric cars that are so quick, some of that pizzazz have worn off from a, just a straight line acceleration screaming standpoint. Yeah, that's a weird thing, huh? Electric cars have kind of reset the bar in terms of, especially once you get behind the wheel of a quick electric car, like a Tesla, uh, then anything else seems just slow, right? Instant torque and zero to 60 times in the four to three seconds, which are pretty common, is mind blowing. And so now when you have a Golf R that's, you know, a little bit slower than that, it just feels like, eh. Whereas, where's that like, you know, face bending, uh, you know, um, 
coma-inducing. <laughs> uh, sweaty palm. Uh, I'm going really quickly, very quickly, very quickly, fast feeling. And, and um, yeah, it's weird. It, it's reset the bar, Tommy. Yeah, so um, I'm not sure that the Golf R is the one to get. It's also starting price is like 13 grand more than the, the base GTI. Uh, granted, for 13 grand more, you get every option. So they come pretty much one spec fully loaded. But um, yeah, it was okay. I don't, it's just, it's a mid $40,000 car. And I think for that, um, I would probably get like um, a, a rear wheel drive Mustang well, or something. Well, the, I mean, the distinction always between the GTI, besides the power and the fact that the Golf R is a more. Uh, quicker, you know, more aggressive of the two is the fact that you get all-wheel drive. Yep, and the Golf R all-wheel drive for the latest generation is not a Halidex. It's actually a much more sophisticated system, which is pretty cool. Yeah, there's drift mode. There's drift mode. There's racetrack there's Nuremberg-ring mode. Nur Nuremberg-ring mode, yeah. Yeah, the interior is better than the old one. I think the exterior looks a little droopy on the outside. It does have a lot of power, though. It's over 300 horsepower. It's geared super short, so what we found is on the highway in six gear, you were spinning like... Uh, you know, much higher RPMs that I would I would prefer. So it, that's I think where they get a lot of their acceleration from. But um, yeah, it, it's a very tunable car too from the previous generations, at least what we've seen. So I'm curious to see what the aftermarket will do with it. Love how it drives. Uh, love the fact that it's a manual. Uh, certainly, you know, if you watch our videos, you'll see me. You know, probably going a little too fast around these really fun. We did we did this road called uh, the Rattler. Instead of the tail of the dragon, we went and did the rattler. I guess that's like a rat, rattlesnake. Is that a reference to that, you think? I don't know. Probably. That's what I felt it was like. Uh, so it was so much fun to drive. Uh, but I, I really have uh, a hard time when they get rid of both the tuning knob and the volume knob uh, in a vehicle. It didn't work for Honda. Uh, it just becomes frustrating. And so that was the only kind of fly in the ointment. Otherwise, I love the vehicle. True that. Good point. And then the one that I really liked, the, the final one, is the Golf GTI, which is back, of course, for the Mark 8 generation here in the US. Same basic two liter turbo. Um, okay, it actually has quite a lot of changes compared to the Golf R, but same basic engine architecture. Uh, over 200 horsepower, you know, we're approaching like mid 200 horsepower range with that vehicle. Really quick in a straight line. You can get it with launch control if you get the automatic. The manual transmission was really good. Starts at under $30,000. The seats were excellent. Really, really good seats. The infotainment system was really unusable. <laughs> like, it's just basically, infuriating. If, if, if you've ever been in uh, the ID4, it's the same, you know, they've taken the ID4 system and now moved it. Uh, and most people in the business that we speak to agree that the ID4's infotainment system uh, has uh, a lot of growing up to do. It's it's like the first version of it, and there's there's just a lot of issues with it in terms of like lagginess, in terms of uh, ease of use, in terms of uh, uh, how intuitive it is. All that is is a little bit problematic. So once again, they put that in the GTI. So. I'm gonna sound like a grumpy old man here, but yeah, it just that's why I love the GLI because it had the old system because it works. Uh, but from a driving dynamic standpoint, I thought the GTI was truly fantastic. Phenomenal uh, driver, phenomenal. Right, and handling was excellent. The handling was good. A little soft if you're really pushing it, but for daily driving, it was excellent. It doesn't sound amazing, um, and there's certainly some augmentation going on there. But I, I did. I did really enjoy the GTI from a driving experience standpoint. So here's the thing about the GTI, right? It's got to look over its shoulder, Tommy, because the original um, recipe for a GTI, that's the original hot hatch, right? This is the first hot hatch. 
you take a daily commuter and you you know you turn it into the bad boy in class by sprinkling more power, uh, more styling, more dynamics onto it, uh, and it becomes this really fun little affordable, fast and quick car. Uh, and over the different model years, obviously what the manufacturer wants to do is they want to take that and they want to. Uh, get kind of the boyhood racer part out of it and develop it into more of a sophisticated uh, vehicle so that you're starting to compete with like other brands. But the problem there is you got to look over your shoulder because now here comes like the Veloster N and the Kona N, right? Which are much more raw, much more uh, kind of in tune with that inner bad boy or bad girl. Uh, and I, I think a lot of people will pick, you know, the bad boy or bad girl in class over the one that's a little bit more sophisticated, one that's a little bit more refined. And, and that's where we're at with the two right now. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. But if you are interested in um, any of the vehicles, they are, are great performance machines. I do wish that, like, the, the Golf GTI was a little bit more affordable starting. Of course, cars are getting more and more expensive, as we discussed earlier. But um, it still is my favorite hot hatch in the segment. I really do think that. I think it feels a little nicer on the inside than like the, um, uh, oh, what is that? Veloster N. Or the Thank you. N. Yep. I think that the interior is a little nicer. The driving experience is incredible. And the manual transmission is great to still have around. And it, it still is a hot hatch, unlike the WRX, which has a trunk. Which has gone to trunks. Yeah. I you don't betcha. know why. Why did you go to a trunk? You betcha. Absolutely. We, we would love to talk about the WRX, but uh, Subaru still refuses to loan us cars. So, unfortunately, there's nothing we can say about it. That's true, Dad. Well, let us know what you guys think in the comment section below. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, did we drive any other VWs, Tommy? That was just the three of them, I think. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have to. Oh, we did drive. We can't talk about driving impressions uh, because those are unfortunately embargo. But there is a Jetta 1.5 out there as well. Yep, for sure. Uh, so that's going to be the more affordable one if you're into a Jetta. And the, the the other interesting thing, you know, and if you're into, let's get into the Volkswagen world just for the last couple of minutes before we say goodbye. Uh, there is a new Passat coming uh, that is kind of going to be. Um, uh, a, a homage to the Chattanooga factory where it's built, right? I forget what year they opened it up. Was it twenty something? Twenty? It's important because that's how many of the of the Passat special last editions they're building. So, you're gonna Google it? No. So what they're doing is they're killing the Passat. Right. So we shouldn't say there's a new one coming. No, there's, there's a, a final new, edition. edition yeah. There's a final edition of the current Passat. Oh, I, I, that, that, that was so horrible, Tommy. You're like, oh, Dad, you don't know what the difference is. No, no, is. I just like, you made it sound like there's an all-new Passat coming. No, there is a new, I said there's a new version of it coming. The, they, the final oh, edition, it, yeah. they, they, They're painting a green, and, and they're making 1,973 of them because that's when the Passat was introduced. But I, to be brutally honest, the Passat is not a car I think you should buy. I would avoid the Passat. Uh, Get the yourself Passat, a Camry. The, the Passat, they've sold millions of Passats. Yeah, but it's old and... Oh, oh I don't know, dude. The Passat uh, it actually drives well. Nothing wrong with the Camry, but the Passat is fun to drive. The Camry is, you know... Not, the new TRD is better, but the old Camry was... I just feel like if you're buying a midsize sedan, you're buying it because you want it to last a thousand years and you don't care what it drives like. And for, for that reason, I think the Camry is probably the best the, in that class. The Passat had mo most... Rear legroom in class. Fantastic. You don't care about that? No, I do not. Uh -huh. uh, I think it's cool. I think any final edition is cool. After building only 1973 of them, right? 1973. That's how they're weird. doing a year. green, red, white, and gray. That's going to be the one that, like, when you're, you know, 
30 years from now on bring a trailer or whatever the hell it's called that you know bring a bring a uh, a, a land skimmer. You think a Passat's going to be <laughs> right? <laughs> Whatever it's called in thirty years, that'll be the one everybody will lose their, you know what, over because that's going to be the limited edition one that people are going to want. Because oh. spe- here's the thing: when you build millions of them, right, the ones that are special, right, like the uh, like the VR6, right, that's going to be a special one. Uh, those are the ones that are going to be the most sought after. The issue is that they're just painting them different colors. They're probably putting matches on them. <laughs> So do you want to know what they're doing? So they're building yeah. 423 green ones because that's the area code for Chattanooga, Tennessee, where mm-hmm. the Passat is produced. 411 red ones because that is the chassis code for the original Passat. 524 white ones. Um, the date, May 24, 2011, that the assembly in Chattanooga began production of the NMS generation of Passat. And 615 gray ones, the number of generations of Volkswagen Passat uh, has been wow, produced. Somebody, Six. somebody put a lot of thought into this. Yes, I'm amazed by this. The number of generations of the Passat was produced at the Tennessee Chattanooga plant, which is one. And the number of Wait, decades what? that the Volkswagen Passat has been sold in the U.S., which is five. What, what, so five what colored ones? 615 gray, 524 white, 411 red, 423 green. So you want the green one. Um, that's going to be the one that's going to be the most collectible. Why is that? Just the least amount. No, there's least there's the least amount of red ones. How many are those? 411. Okay, so you get the red one uh, and, you know, go go to your Volkswagen dealership, say, hey, I want that final edition. They're not going to know what the hell you're talking about because, you know, that's just the way it is, unfortunately. Uh, and get it that sticker and then put it in a barn somewhere where there are no mice or a air conditioned <laughs> air conditioned storage unit uh, and hold on to it and 30 years from now when bring a skimmer uh, is in business you'll be able to sell that one for the most amount of money ever. You know, you know what my issue with the Passat is? What is your issue? Yeah, why are you so grumpy about the Passat? Because in Europe they get such a cool Passat and this has happened for generation and generation. Where they right, get so they got, better, they got better suspension in Europe. No, yeah. it was a totally different Passat. It was lower, it had a different design, it was way more sporty, it was just such a cool Passat and then they bring this one over and they're like it's got a lot of rear seat legroom, enjoy. <laughs> so Volkswagen corporate uh, in Wolfsburg has, I believe, this belief that Americans will not pay for um, for Volkswagen in America like it's more of a premium brand than they than they will so in Europe and the rest of the continent, right? So we get basically, uh, well, for a better lack of a better word, dumbed down versions of some of their vehicles. Uh, and what's incredibly frustrating from my point of view is the vehicles that they would sell. And if you're a product planner at Volkswagen, you, you probably know this, or maybe Volkswagen corporate's not listening to you. They would sell immediately the Amarok would become the best-selling Volkswagen in America if they brought it. Right. Immediately, right? You bring the Amarok, forget the chicken tax, figure it out. You can. Mercedes figured it out with their vans, bring in the Amarok, and overnight that will be your best-selling vehicle. Right now, their best-selling vehicle is a Tiguan, right? In America, the Amarok will become number one. And that, that I would bet money on that. I would bet big money on that. Number two, bring over the California, the van, the little van that, that Nathan and Andre got to drive around in. Uh, and, the, you know, the, the argument they'll make is, oh, my gosh, crash testing will cost a billion dollars or something. Bring it over. It'll be your second most popular vehicle. And the brand will explode in America. Um, instead, you know, they're going, they're following Ford. So now they have a complete lineup of crossovers. And I get that because everybody's buying crossovers. But you're not going to generate a lot of buzz and a lot of interest and a lot of like free publicity the way that Tesla does, which made it a trillion dollar company, by the way, by building a Taos. 
you are going to do that by bringing in an Amarok and by bringing in the California van. Uh, and in today's world, I would say that uh, buzzability, shareability, social media ability is what separates the superstars from the also-rans. Uh, and you're playing by an old set of rules, Volkswagen, and so is much of the rest of the car world. So. Let me give you an example. So in Europe, they're on the B8 generation of Passat, which is just, it's available in a wagon. It looks so much better than the American one. You can get it in a GTE model, which is a performance plug-in hybrid version. You can get it with four-wheel drive. And in U.S., we're left with this thing that's on the old platform, um, which is is just so much, it's not even dumbed down. It's worse in every generation because they needed to make it cheaper for the U.S. market. And it's just like, oh, Why? So I, that's why I wouldn't get a Passat. It's just like it's a... Even the, even the final edition. Even the final edition. It's not even on so... Like even... So what they did is they branched out our Passat to us in China, the North American spec Passat. Right. And then they were like, you know what? Even the Chinese should get the MQB platform. Let's put this on the MQB platform. And here in the U.S., they're like, we're not selling enough of them. We're just going to let it win. Well, because in China, Volkswagen is one of the premier so brands. So I just... I, would, I love Volkswagen as a brand. They do some truly amazing cars, but the Passat is not one of them. All right. Well, there you have it, guys. Uh, you've uh, certainly spent an hour with us. Thank you very much. Once again, thank you for watching our videos. Thank you to our Patreons, patrons uh, for supporting us. You guys are the best. Uh, and uh, if you want to go and uh, get all of TFL content, whether it's our podcasts or videos, our news stories, it's over at tfl-studios.com where we put it all up. Uh, check it out. Um, you know, end of the year's coming. We've got some big things happening. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it was uh, certainly an interesting hour, Tommy. Yep, we'll see you next time. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.